everybody, welcome to the export. I'm Raven X, alongside me as always is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka somebody who it's been what about almost a month or so since Ja has been back. How have you enjoyed the Ja Moran experience this season? Uh, I mean, it's been fun aside from not went, not still having a subpar record like. Watching him play has been amazing. Watching him, even in losses, seeing how he can elevate the team has been great. Just ready to hopefully turn the flip the switch and get into the play-in scenario. Yeah, I mean, luckily the NBA has a long ways away before the playoffs and play-in and all that. However, around the NFL, the same cannot be said because the playoffs officially get started next weekend. And so what we are going to do on this week's episode is we are going to give our final uh, NFL playoff picture predictions. We're also going to discuss uh, the recent addition of Dalvin Cook to the Baltimore Ravens and what that means for them. And then we're going to kind of wrap things up discussing the NBA and the OG and Anobi trade to the New York Knicks. What's next for Pascal Siakam and what? how much better are the Knicks because of this move? But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with our college football player spotlight. Since the college football championship is going to be this Monday, instead of uh, singling out a particular player, let's just say who we think is going to win between Michigan and and Washington. Ethan, who you got? I got Michigan. I think uh, their defense has been physical and dominant all season. They have good – they have decent corners. And I think, like, they've just been running straight at people and playing, like, old-school football, and I think that's going to carry them all the way. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on Michigan, but I think this will be the biggest test that their defense has faced all season. Like, I know that Ohio State had Marvin Harrison Jr., who's very good, Emeka Egbuka, who's probably at worst going to be like a mid to late second-round pick. Trevion Henderson's a really good back. But, I mean, you look all over Washington's offense, and they got weapons. I mean, Michael Penix is a really, really good quarterback. Um, Rome Adunze, we talked about this early in the week off air. I'm a really big fan of his. I think that he has a legit case to be the second best wide receiver in this upcoming draft class. Jalen Polk is no scrub. Same for uh, McMillan. I mean, they got a lot of weapons across the board, so I think it really is going to be key to see what that defense can do because while Michigan's offense is solid, I really like Blake Corum, their running back. I just have questions of if they can really go blow for blow with Michigan, I mean, with Washington, if it turns into a shootout. So, their defense is going to have to come up big, but it'll be cool to see how it all transpires. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on from college football. Let's talk the NFL, uh, recapping what took place in week 16, starting off with the Cleveland Browns defeating the New York Jets um, on Thursday night football, 30 to 27. Then on Saturday, the Detroit Lions got screwed, uh, falling to the Dallas Cowboys 20-19. My Baltimore Ravens imposed their will against the Miami Dolphins 56-19, clinching not only the top seed in the AFC, but an AFC North title. The Denver Broncos defeated the Los Angeles Chargers 16-9. Uh, Houston Texans get the better of the Tennessee Titans and C.J. Stroud's return, uh, winning 26-3. Buffalo Bills outlast the New England Patriots 
27-21. Los Angeles Rams win a close one against the New York Giants, 26-25. San Francisco 49ers get an impressive win against the Washington Commanders, 27-10. Arizona Cardinals upset the Philadelphia Eagles, 35-31. New Orleans Saints keep their playoff hopes alive, defeating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 23-13. Jacksonville Jaguars shut out the Carolina Panthers without Trevor Lawrence, 26-0. Chicago Bears put on a show against the Atlanta Falcons, 37-17. Indianapolis Colts survived the Las Vegas Raiders, 23-20. Pittsburgh Steelers keep their playoff hopes alive as well, defeating the Seattle Seahawks, 30-23. Kansas City Chiefs locked down the third seed in the AFC with their win over the Cincinnati Bengals, 25-17. And the Green Bay Packers defeated the Minnesota Vikings, um, Sunday Night Football, 33-10. to 10. On the week, I went 9-7, and seven, and you went 11-5. and five. Uh, Turn the page to look at some injury updates. The Seattle Seahawks have played safety Jamal Adams and wide receiver D. Eskridge on injured reserve ending their seasons. Jaguars wide receiver and kick returner Jamal Agnew is done for the year with a lower leg fracture. And the Miami Dolphins were hit twice in their loss to the Ravens, losing cornerback Xavier Howard, who, um, who was slated to be week-to-week -week following a foot injury. He's not expected to play this Sunday night against the Bills. And outside linebacker Bradley Chubb, who was done for the year with a torn ACL. We kind of talked about it a little bit ago um, when Jalen Phillips got hurt in the Jets game. But now the Dolphins are losing arguably their best pass rusher. It's been a rough season in terms of injuries just everywhere, but with the loss of Chubb, how do you think that's going to affect the Dolphins going into the playoffs? I think it's going to affect mightily because, again, we know, like, Cam's from the defensive side of the football, the two most, in my opinion, I think the two most important positions are edge rusher and cornerback. And if you lose your top edge rusher, I feel, especially when you lost your second best one, a couple of weeks ago, I think it's a big blow. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it was already bad enough losing Jalen Phillips. I know his numbers weren't wowing anybody in terms of league-wide production, but I think at the time he had like six, six and a half sacks, which was tied for the most on the team. And then you follow that up losing Bradley Chubb, who was shouldering most of the load in terms of pass rush, and now he's gone as well. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. If you can't get pressure on a quarterback and they have all day to throw, it only hinders you, and more times than not, your defense is going to get picked apart. And I think that's something that's possibly going to happen with the Miami Dolphins, especially because their offense, especially with, um, what's his name, Jalen Waddle being out for a undetermined amount of time, same for Raheem Mostert. They're not exactly as explosive as they have been, so they really need their defense to step up. And so not having Chubb, who I'm looking at now, is was leading the team with 11 sacks and 11 uh, tackles for loss, it's a big blow. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to our top three takeaways of the week. You can start us off. Top three takeaways are um, number three, the NFL definitely needs to implement some type of uh, form of disciplinary system for the refs because this is what, like, the third, like, the fifth week where the refs cost the team a major game. Maybe it might not be the fifth. Maybe it might be, like, fourth. But, like, the fact that they game that, um, Lions and Cowboys game went down to the refs making a, a very horrible call. Like it needs to be some form of um ramifications from refs for make for doing stuff like this. Yeah, that was 
I have a comment about that game as well, so I'll leave it at that. But um, yeah, that was terrible. Um, number three for me is Sean McVay should be a finalist for Coach of the Year. I know Dan Campbell's probably gonna get it for the Lions, which I mean. You know, I'm not mad at that. But the fact that Sean McVay got this current Rams team that is a shell of what it was a couple years ago when they won the Super Bowl and got them to clinch a playoff spot is very, very impressive. Also, I got to give credit to Les Snead as well for putting together a really, really good draft class and just bringing in young developmental guys and getting the most out of them. I mean, obviously, they still have Aaron Donald, who's amazing. You still have Matthew Stafford, who's still really good, and uh, Cooper Cup. But, I mean, other than that, it's so many new pieces. And the fact that they've been able to kind of get these guys to perform well enough and get in the playoffs, that deserves a lot of props. Uh, my number two, I think it's time to press the panic button in Philadelphia. Um, I think they still can write the ship in the playoffs maybe and maybe go on a run. But from their recent play, they don't. They look like a shell of themselves and they're going in the wrong direction heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I, yeah, it's bad. Because I know we talked about this even before the game. It was like, if the if the Eagles didn't not only just win that game, but win it convincingly, people were going to be at their head. Now, not only did you lose, but you look terrible in the loss. No, it's going to be rough. And with the playoffs around the corner, this is the worst time to not be having momentum and to be playing piss-poor defense. So, yeah, I'm with you on there. I'm, I am worried about them. Uh, number two for me is the Dolphins got their asses kicked, but uh, Devin A-Chain looks like a star. He had over 130 yards from scrimmage against Baltimore as well as a touchdown. When Raheem Mostert went out, or at least they said he wasn't going to play, admittedly I was like, okay, cool, don't got to worry about him. But then Devin A-Chain comes out and he balls out, which he's been doing for most of the season anyway. And so I'll say this, regardless of what happens with Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert this offseason or whatever contracts are going to be changing with the Dolphins, they definitely got a good one in the Texas A&M running back. My number one is Odell was right. That Baltimore Ravens team is the best team that he's ever been on. And, my, and I understand everybody was like, oh, he was on that Rams Super Bowl team. I think that this – iteration of the Baltimore Ravens is better than their Rams Super Bowl team. And I know if they don't win a Super Bowl, people will come back to him and be like, what do you still think? Just because you don't win a just cause you don't win a Super Bowl doesn't mean that you're a better team. Because yeah. any given Sunday, a team that's better than another I mean the Eagles, any given Sunday, they lost to the Cardinals and they were supposed to win. But Odell was right. That is the best team that he's ever been on. Yeah, um, I remember when he said that. Like you said, people tried to get at his head. But I think I'll, – I'll say this. I've been a Ravens fan for shit, going on 13 years now. This is by far the best team we've had from top to bottom. Like, it is a very balanced team to where, like, it's been years where – the offense may be right, but the defense is kind of lacking a little bit or vice versa. And definitely it's been the vice versa. But this year it feels like at every level, everybody's playing well. Like it may not be exceptional. We may not have like a superstar, you know, aside from Lamar Jackson on offense or, you know, defensively. I personally think Roquan is a bad mofo, but I mean, he doesn't get the respect that he rightfully deserves. Same for guys like Kyle Hamilton, Marlon Humphrey, PQ, except Justin Matabike. But – Everybody holds it down, and I'm excited to see 
what the playoffs look like because like you said that's really going to be the testament for a lot of people about whether or not this is the best team Odell has been on but I feel like this Ravens team would have beat that Rams Super Bowl winning team I'm not saying it'd be a blowout but I, I think they would win decisively um but my number one is the Lions versus uh Cowboys game was a reminder why you never want to leave the game in a ref's hand like it's one thing everybody knew like it's gonna be a competitive game when it's two good teams but I don't know. Like, obviously, it was a missed call by the ref. You clearly, like, see the video of Taylor Decker going to the ref and trying to report and the ref just missing it. But in your opinion, would you have kept trying to go for two? Or would you have just uh, kicked the field goal? I mean, not kicked the goal, the point after. So, I didn't watch the game. If going for, was the going for the field goal, is that tying it or taking the lead? It would have tied it. So they would have been up one uh, with the point after. I mean, I mean, I'm putting out the two-point conversion. So essentially, here's how it went. Um, I don't know if you saw all of it, but the first point at, I mean, two-point attempt was the Taylor Decker um, illegal touching, all that. The second one was an offsides by the Cowboys, but the ball got picked off. And then the third time, uh, Jared Goff threw the ball pretty short for the tight end, and even if he would have caught it, he would have been short of the end zone. Either way, I w- after the second one, I would have just said, screw it. We- I'll take it to overtime. I'll take my chances. No, yeah. Af- honestly, after the first call, I would have I I just went for one. <laughs> because yeah. it's like two-point conversions are, don't really have a high success rate. At least from what I remember seeing. They don't. So, yeah, so it's like, hey, just go on the one. Just take your one, go on the OT, and, like, take your chances. Because, like, I get you want to – I get you want to take chances to win the game. But in my opinion, given the stakes of, like, hey, if y'all win, y'all be get a, good, a higher seed in the playoffs. And if y'all lose, y'all get a, a lower seed. I really take the sure points. Agreed. Like, especially considering, I understand CeeDee Lamb was doing them up something nasty. I know you say you didn't watch the game, but, like, the numbers were wild. But on the all, opposite side, it's not like the Cowboys' defense was keeping them in check, too. Like, they were able to move pretty well, especially on that last drive and then running the ball. And so if I'm the Lions, I'm like, hey, I don't really want to see CeeDee. But they got to see us too, and so yeah, I would have just, I would have just kicked the point after. I mean, I believe in signs, and if after the first two it didn't happen, I don't think it was Madden's gonna work on the third. But um, all right, let's go ahead and move on to our most impressive offensive, defensive, and rookies of the week. Um, offensively, I just said his name, Ceedee Lamb, had 13 catches for 227 yards and a touchdown. But more impressive to me was the fact that he broke the single-season Cowboys receiving record, um, topping Michael Irvin's 1,603 with the game on Saturday. He now has 1,613 and possibly counting if he plays this weekend. Considering the great history of wide receivers in Dallas for CeeDee Lamb to put himself in that position and with a contract coming up, I got to give him props for that. Yeah, for me, my offensive, I got to go with the duo of Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Them boys ran all over the Seahawks, and they made, in the game that they needed, they came up clutch, and they made the plays when they needed to be made. Yeah, I think I saw a stat that was like at halftime, they had rushed for like 145 yards. 
Like it, it's it's ugly in Seattle. I I, I think this is going to be a very interesting off season for the Pacific Northwest. Um, all right, most impressive defensive player. I'm going Bears rookie cornerback Tyreek Stevenson. Five tackles and two picks this past Sunday. Obviously, the Bears aren't going to make the playoffs, but Stevenson has been one of those guys who's shown some flashes that should make Bears fans excited for the future when they finally decide what they're going to do at head coach and quarterback. Uh, for me, I'm going with another Steeler. I'm going another Ricky also. I'm going Nick Harbury. He he got the hat trick in one play, forced the fumble, picked it, and recovered it. And, again, it was a big game. And I just thought, like, he's been making splash plays all season, so I got to show him some love. Um, and then my rookie of the week, I'm going Texas defensive end Will Anderson. Coming back from an ankle injury, he only played 11 snaps and still had two sacks. Like, I've been a big Will Anderson fan, like, since the draft process began, despite the fact he went to Alabama. And, like, he's when he's played, he's really shown just how talented and how special of a guy that he is. So I got to give him his props because two sacks on just 11 snaps is insane. That is insane. I'm going to go to Devin A-Chain. Yeah. He was, a, he was a very close second. Honestly, that's why I moved him to a takeaway just because, I mean – he was, he was giving us the business. Very happy that we won that game. Um, all right, and then on to our most disappointing player. I cheated this week. I don't have a player. I actually have a coach. Um, I'm going Mike McDonald. The fact that he left Tua and Bradley Chubb in the game deep into the fourth quarter when it's already a blowout and both of them end up getting hurt. Like I said, Bradley Chubb is done for the year with a torn ACL, and it's kind of TBD on Tua because he hurt his shoulder. I just feel like as a coach, if you're going into – the midway through the fourth quarter, and it's already down 20-plus points, it is no reason to keep your starters in, especially the faces of your franchise. Thanks. Especially knowing that you have a must, now that you're losing, you have a must-win scenario against a divisional rival the following week. Why are they still in the game? 100%. It made no sense. No sense whatsoever. So, yeah, definitely my most disappointing player person of the past week. Uh, Disappointing for me... I mean, I'm not disappointed because I kind of used to it, but I guess I'll say the Titans. Okay. Um, you think I haven't been paying that much attention, but like, is Will Levis playing this week, or is it gonna be Ryan Tannehill? I think it's Tannehill. I haven't really seen anything. I also really haven't like been looking because I'm just like, yeah, it is what it is. I'm more so. I, when it comes down to football, I'm more so just expecting. I'm I'm excited for the playoffs to start, so I really haven't been keeping up with the Titans. That's fair. So. That makes total sense. Um. All right, let's go ahead and look at the current NFL playoff picture, and we're gonna start things off in the AFC. Like I mentioned earlier, the Baltimore Ravens have already locked down the number one overall seed. Uh, the death as of now, this could definitely change this weekend, but it will be the Miami Dolphins at the second seed hosting the Indianapolis Colts who are the seventh seed. The number three seed Kansas City Chiefs would be hosting the Buffalo Bills who are the sixth seed and the number four seed Jacksonville Jaguars would be hosting the Cleveland Browns. All right. In your opinion, who are the seven teams are that are going to be representing the AFC in the playoffs? Because we already know four that are locked in. Baltimore, Dolph, Miami, uh, Kansas City, and Cleveland. And the, uh, the other teams in the hunt are the Jags, Bills, Colts, Texans, and Steelers. I think it's going to be the Jags and the Bills. I mean, the Jags are playing the Titans. Mm-hmm. And 
So you think the Jags? So Jags will get the four seed. So what about the six and seven seed? I think the Bills are going to get in. So I guess they'll be what the six. If the Bills win, do you think they win or lose? Because like it makes a difference. Okay. I think they win. Okay, if they win, they're gonna get the second seed, and then the Dolphins will be the sixth seed, and so then it's the seventh seed, which would either be if between the Colts and Texans, because if and then but if the Steelers win, it could be and the Jags lose, the Steelers could get into. It's it's very convoluted. So seeing as how I said the Jags are winning. I guess my hope for the Steelers making the playoffs won't happen. So I am going to say I want the Texans to make it. That's real. Um, I will. I'm gonna sit out this one because you know I get paid by one of these teams. So I'm gonna sit this one out. But I do think that the Bills end up winning on Sunday night, and then they get the second seed, and we'll see how the AFC South shakes out. All right, let's now talk about the NFC. As it stands, uh, the San Francisco 49ers have already clinched the first over first seed. They're going to get that bye. And then it's going to be the number two seed, Dallas Cowboys, hosting the number seven seed, Green Bay Packers. The number three seed, Detroit Lions, hosting the number six seed, Los Angeles Rams. The number four seed, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, hosting the number five seed, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the teams that have locked up a spot are the 49ers, as mentioned, the Cowboys at two. Uh, the Lions at three, the Eagles, and the Rams, who right now are the sixth seed. And the other teams in contention are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are trying to hold on to the NFC South title, and then the number seven seed, uh, which right now is held down by the Packers, but could also go to the Seahawks, Saints, Vikings. Yeah. It's a lot of ways this could go. So who who is Tampa Bay playing this week? Tampa is playing like Carolina. I think they're Carolina. And who are the Packers playing this week? Bears. I'm going to go Tampa. Okay. I think, so Tampa at the four seed. You think they win the division? Yeah, I think they win the division. All right, so seven seed, like I said, I'm not going to get into all the scenarios. But as of right now, the Packers could win it. Um, the Seahawks are also in the running. I believe the Saints, if they win their game, and then the Vikings. I'm going to say Packers because I think they're going to beat the Bears. I agree. I think they beat the Bears, and I think that would be kind of like the end-all, be-all, because right now they are 8-8, eight and eight, but Seattle plays Arizona, and that doesn't – that feels kind of like a toss-up at this point. I don't really trust Seattle. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you about the Packers getting that seven seed. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on uh, to some moves around the NFL. Uh, the Seattle, Speaking of the Seattle, uh, they've released uh, three-time pole bowler Frank Clark. After being released by the Denver Broncos earlier this season, he joined Seattle, the team that drafted him, and now he is a free agent again. And then we mentioned this at the top of the show. After being released by the New York Jets earlier this week, running back Dalvin Cook has signed to the Baltimore Ravens practice squad. I talked to you about this before. And I still have the same sentiment. Like, I'm not that excited about it. I don't – not to say I don't care, but I just haven't seen anything from Dalvin Cook to be excited. Like, all I can ask is that he doesn't fumble. Um, He – whenever he does get snaps, that he does something with them because we need all hands on deck in the playoffs. Like, we look good in the regular season, and that's fine and dandy, but the playoffs is a whole other breed, so I just need him to do his job, whatever that job may be. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, like, when I saw it, I was excited. Like, oh, they just got Dalvin Cook. 
I was like, I just think that's a great move for the Ravens in the sense of, like, y'all have had a history of y'all running backs getting hurt. And, like, you're bringing in a guy who just came off this past season rushing for 1,100 yards and, like, barely has any tread on his tires. And, like, it's not like you're expecting him to be your starter. But, like, if you need him to come in as a change of pace guy, I think he could be effective, like you said, as long as he doesn't fumble. Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, Dalvin Cook's going to come in. He's going to be, like, Minnesota prime Dalvin Cook. I just think he's a guy that can get out some productive snaps in a pinch. Yeah. All I ask is just don't mess up. That's all I ask. Don't fumble. And everything else will go from there because, like, I don't think – like you said, like, he's not going to just come over and take over, like, most of the carries. Like, I think it's still going to be a lot of Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. But like you said, like, getting that third down back situation, I could see him playing a role. Because I don't think he's going to end up playing this week. It's kind of no reason for him to. So let him get the next couple weeks to learn the playbook, get used to the team, and then go from there uh, come the divisional round. But, all right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery. Last week, I mentioned Puka Nakua in my takeaway saying that I really believe he sh- he would be my pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And he has a chance to make history, which could strengthen that argument. Um, he is only 26 yards away. Is that my Yeah. He, no, I'm sorry. He's only 29 yards away from breaking the single-season rookie receiving record. And so it does beg the question, if Puka breaks the record on Sunday, I I don't know how you don't give him offense rookie of the year. This was tweeted out by Holden Cantor. Is it believable or before that if he breaks the record, he should get the award? This is so hard because on one hand, I want to say yes. On the other hand, if C.J. Stroud leads the Texans to the playoffs, I got to go with C.J. Stroud. That's real. That's real because I agree with you. That's kind of where I am now. Like, Puka's been great. And, like, he's clearly the – he's clearly been the Rams' best receiver this year in a year that, like, nobody really knew who he was or knew what to expect from him. But quarterbacks already are going to get priority in a lot of ways. And not only that, but he could get his team to the playoffs. A team in the Texas that haven't been to the playoffs, I think, since, like, 2019. So it's like – yeah, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. Um, all right, let's go ahead and move on. You mentioned you're worried about the Philadelphia Eagles, and a lot of people seem to share that same sentiment. Um, on Get Up, Dan Orlovsky said, if it doesn't get better, they're going to be one and done in the playoffs. That's the worst loss, both stakes and opponent-wise, in the 20 years for Philadelphia, speaking of that Cardinals loss on Sunday. So, believable or buffoonery, the Eagles are bound to be one and done in the postseason. Because, like I said, as of right now, they will play the Bucks if the playoffs start tomorrow. I'm going to say buffoonery. I think if they play the Bucks, I think they could pull it out. I want to say buffoonery. The answer probably should be buffoonery. But I don't trust this defense to get a stop. And it's like, if the Bucks go in healthy, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rashad White, Kate Odden even – it could be a long day, especially if Baker is playing well. I'm going to say buffoonery, but it it's an Right, exactly. It's it's definitely an asterisk. So, yeah, I'm not confident in it. Um, Keeping things in the NFC East, 
There was a lot of talk about Saquon Barkley even before the season started, whether he would get a contract extension after getting franchise tag. He did sign a one-year extension, um, but yet another extension has not been in the works or at least not made known to the public. Uh, Saquon Barkley was asked about upcoming free agency and his future with the team and said, I've mentioned before that I want to be a giant for life. That was the goal of mine when I got drafted. I wanted to leave a legacy here, but it's out of my control. Uh, Barkley added, if I did hit the open market, hey, that's God's plan to go to another team and continue to build a legacy for myself. So I know we talked about in the past, like, shh, um, would it be a good idea for the Giants to do it? But in all actuality, just kind of looking at the season that Saquon had, looking at the running back market, and honestly, just all the needs that the Giants have, is it believable or buffoonery that the Giants should re-sign Saquon? I'm going to be honest. I think they should let them go. I think they have, like, they have too many needs in other positions, mainly online. And, like, I hate to say this because running back is my favorite position on offense, but you can find another running back. Yeah. You, you, you need to get continuity in other areas, like, you need to figure out O-line. You still need to figure out quarterback. Like, I think Saquon, not expendable in the sense of, like, they're so good that they don't need Saquon, but Saquon's expendable because you need to spend that money somewhere else. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree with you. I, big Saquon fan, if you want to come to Baltimore, he you know what's up. But it's just, yeah, like, if you're the Giants, especially with the contract he's probably going to try to get, because I don't think he's going to, like, sign another 10-year, 10-mil extension. But it's like, this season has been fine. Like, he's rushed for, I believe, 916 yards, has 229 receiving yards, which sound fine, but this is, like, the third lowest rushing yards he's had in a season and the second uh, fewest receiving yards in a season. It's not like this was a year that he just went crazy. And it sucks because a lot of running backs kind of in similar situations. Actually, every running back in a similar situation has kind of had that same year. Tony Pollard, a guy you know we both love, like he hasn't really done much for Dallas. Josh Jacobs hasn't been as effective for the Raiders. Austin Eckler has been a shell of his former self this season. And Saquon's just kind of been there. He's not really affecting too much. And so this was a terrible year for running backs to just kind of be met. Because, like, with the exception of Christian McCaffrey, in your opinion, has there been a running back that's, like, really stood out to you? No. I agree. Because I mean, even with Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, even though he has 1,000 yards, but it's been, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a, a typical Derrick Henry season. Yeah, and so it's, like, this is a rough year, especially with everything that happened this offseason and running backs trying to get together and, like, promote change. This year did show that, like, running backs truly do come a dime a dozen because it's been some guys like Raheem Mostert who's having a really good year, Isaiah Pacheco, another guy having a good year. Guys who you're not even really looking at to be the guy or, like, who don't have that same name value and yet you see what they're doing. It's like I could pay significantly less money and get the same type of production. Also, Kyron Williams, who's been amazing. He was a fifth-round pick last year. Like, so, yeah, I agree. Um, all right, moving on, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, following their win against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, head coach Jonathan Gannon answered their question regarding if they will be looking for a quarterback in the upcoming offseason, to which he said, there's no doubt 
about Kyler being the quarterback of the future. He said, I love that guy. Number one is our franchise quarterback. That's who I love. It's not about one guy, but you know I'm a Kyler guy. Being here for a year with him now, I'm more convinced that than when I got here, just going through the process and our connection and developed a relationship with him and it being a little odd. You got your franchise quarterback and you know he can't play. Just seeing the work he put in and the things we talked about in this offseason and what he wanted to improve on, what I want to see from him improve on. He's done everything we've asked. I just feel like what he's done, the work he's put in to get this to this point, play the type of football that he has and wins or losses coming off a knee injury in a new system. The competitor that he is, I've been very pleased with him. So it seems like the Cardinals are standing firm with Kyler Murray as that guy. Is it believable or buffoonery that they're making the right choice in doing so? I'm going to say believable um, because the reality of it is, is Kyler is a productive NFL quarterback. Like even at this base level of what he is, like the questions have always been like, can you gain that cerebral side to take that next step? And I think if you have a head coach that fully believes in you and you feel that like sense of faith from that head coach, I think you can get the other side of, of Kyler to come out. And then if you throw in, say you draft a Marvin Harrison, like, and you set him up with, a potential number one wide receiver that can get a big body instead of like the smaller receivers that they normally have in Arizona. I think it's it could be a good decision. I agree. And especially considering look at everything else that team needs. If you can alleviate one thing, which is quarterback, sign me up. And Kyler Murray's played fine. I mean, especially considering he is coming off of that knee injury and he kind of got into the season like late in the game. And so the fact that he's played solid enough and just imagine like you said if you can get a guy like Marvin Harrison or at least just get some more weapons help get him some more protection up front I think that Kyler Murray can kind of go back to being that guy who he was a couple years ago who led the Cardinals to the playoffs who you start to feel that excitement for I don't know if he'll ever become like that MVP type guy but I think that at least for the Cardinals he can get them at least in like the wild card conversation and for right now and considering the history of the team that's more than enough so I think it's the right choice too all right, last thing, and it's about another quarterback, Justin Fields. Now, following uh, their win over the Atlanta Falcons, uh, he heard chants from the Chicago fans saying, we want Justin, which he mentioned was a moment that he's going to remember for the rest of his life. And that sentiment is kind of being shared not only with the fans, but in the locker room. DJ Moore said of Justin Fields, he's him. I want him to be the quarterback. I said what I said. Now it's on the higher-ups. It's up to them. Believable or buffoonery, the Bears should keep Justin Fields as their quarterback in 2024. This question is so hard to answer because I think the Bears are going to get rid of their head coach. And we all know that whenever a head coach gets fired, they typically don't keep the quarterback because whoever they bring in, that's probably not going to be their guy, especially when you have a, number, a high overall pick like the one. But I think Justin Fields, like, Justin Fields has made it a really interesting situation because his play hasn't been bad as of late. I think this pack, depending on what he does in this Packers game, whether it's a win or a loss, um, I'm going to say they should keep him. 
I'll say this. I'm I'm very much so on the fence because on the one hand, I understand what you're saying. Like this season, he has shown signs of progress. Same for Matt Eberflus. Like progressively over the past month, month and a half, they've played relatively solid. Um, and they honestly could have won more games if things had gone a little bit differently. Like a prime example is that Browns game. Um, but on the other hand, like you mentioned, if Matt Eberflus gets fired and you bring in another head coach and he wants to draft his guy, you could easily move on from Justin Fields and go about your business. And then one of my coworkers brought up a really good point. If you're Ryan Poles, their general manager, if you get a new head coach and a new quarterback, that buys you time. You don't have to rush or like feel like your job is on the line. Because let's say they decide to stick with Justin Fields this year and everybody's like, okay, cool, we're excited for the offseason. You trade the number one overall picks, you make all these moves, whatever. Let's say yeah. it's another eight and nine season or worse. We're having this same conversation. But this time, you don't have the first overall pick. And so it's like you're kind of stuck with Justin Fields and he has a contract coming up. And so it's tough. I, I absolutely see both sides of the coin. It's just I, I think that, honestly, a, a fresh start could probably be good for both Justin Fields and the Bears but I could understand them not doing it and running it back. But I just wonder how it's going to blow up in everybody's face if it doesn't work. But all right, let's go ahead and make our game picks for the final week of regular season action around the NFL. And it starts off tomorrow afternoon with my Baltimore Ravens hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know Lamar is not playing. They already ruled out a bunch of other starters. I don't care. I've been rolling with my team all season. And you think I'm going to pick us to lose against the Steelers? I don't care if they got playoff aspirations. I want to win, and I want to send them home sad. I got Baltimore. You already know where I'm going. Totally understandable. All right, next up, another pivotal game. Win and you're in. Houston Texans coming to Indianapolis to face the Colts Saturday night. I got Texans. Uh, Moving on to Sunday, slate of games, Atlanta Falcons versus the New Orleans Saints. Saints are still in the running for NFC South champions, but they have to win this game. I think they do. I do too. Uh, next up, we got Jacksonville Jaguars versus your Tennessee Titans. The Jags winning because Ryan Tannehill playing. He just got announced. I think he'd win. They'd win anyway, just cause. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Minnesota Vikings versus the Detroit Lions. I actually don't know if Detroit's like gonna keep their starters in. It doesn't really matter. I think they still end up winning. I got Detroit too. Uh, New England Patriots versus the New Orleans Saints and what could possibly be Bill Belichick's final game on the Patriots sideline. I don't trust the Jets for anything. And the Patriots, I can see them playing hard for Bill. I got Pats. Mm, boy, they love to make these dookie ball games. So. You know they got to do divisional games in the final week. I know. I'm going to go Jets because I just want to see Bill Belichick go. You sound like Robert Sala. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading to Carolina to face the Panthers. They win. They secure a division title. I got Bucks. I got Bucks. Cincinnati Bengals versus the Cleveland Browns. Browns resting several starters. Bengals not playing for nothing. I got Bengals. Yeah, I got Bengals. Seattle Seahawks versus the Carol Card. I mean Arizona Cardinals. Seahawks playing for their playoff lives. I'm picking them, but I don't think it leads to a playoff berth. Yeah, me too. Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears. Going to be a big one, I think, because I think if Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus, they win that game, beat the Packers for the first time in I don't know how long, 
It's going to save some jobs. I don't think it happens, though. I got Packers. Yeah, I got Packers. Philadelphia Eagles versus the New York Giants. I hope for the Eagles' sake that they beat the Giants. Well, if they lose to the Giants, it's over with, but I got Eagles. Yeah, because they, they barely made it out alive on Christmas, so we'll see. Um, San Francisco 49ers versus the Los Angeles Rams. It's going to be Sam Darnold versus Carson Wentz. I got Niners. Niners. Las Vegas Raiders versus the Denver Broncos. I got Raiders. Yeah, I want the Broncos to win, I think. So yeah. I got Raiders. Same here. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Already been announced that Patrick Mahomes will not be playing. It's going to be Blaine Gabbert. Another game where I just flip a coin. I guess I'll go Chiefs. I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to go Chargers. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, right. This this game doesn't really have much meaning. Um, Dallas Cowboys versus the Washington Commanders. This game does have some meaning because if they do win – um, the Cowboys, I mean, they do lock down that second seed. Um, they should win, but who knows? I'm yeah, thinking. I'm All right, and then last but not least, biggest game of the weekend, arguably, the Buffalo Bills heading to Miami to face the Dolphins. If the Bills win, they secure the AFC East as well as the second overall seed. However, if they lose, they could be out of the playoffs entirely due to other scenarios. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to win. Me too. All right, let's talk the offensive, defensive, and rookies we're watching this week. Offensively, I'm watching Trevor Lawrence, assuming he plays. Right now he's listed as questionable, but I think he's going to end up playing because there's so much on the line. How I look at it with Trevor Lawrence is this season has not – I don't even know if I said the season's been good. But because of the pieces around you, because of the defense, they've been able to stick with it. And I think that this is one of those games, especially against this defense that you've already played well against, that is now more hurt than they were the last time. If you're Trevor Lawrence, this is the game where you make a statement to say, hey, I am definitively the best quarterback in the AFC South. We are definitively the best team in the AFC South, and this game is going to prove it. He needs that type of performance because if they mess around and miss the playoffs, yeah, people are going to be at his head, and rightfully so. That's true. I'm also going with another quarterback for a team that could potentially make the playoffs. I'm going Derek Carr. It's been a, a very rocky season, to say the least, with him and the Oilers. But, hey, bro, go out there and make the playoffs. Uh, next up, defensive player. I'm watching Rasul Douglas. I mean, right now he's the Bills' number one corner, and a lot is going to be asked of him going up against uh, Tyreek Hill. And possibly even Jalen Waddle if he does play. I mean, the Bills' defense has been playing pretty solid over the past few weeks after going through some rough stretches. But, Rasul, this is going to be the biggest game of the year for you because you know the Dolphins are going to try to get their lick back from Miami. I mean, they lost last week. Yeah, for me, I got to go TJ Watt. I mean, it's a game with playoff implications. Big time players made big time plays. Division arrival game. My favorite game of the whole season. I don't care what nobody say. Steelers-Ravens games are the best games of the whole season. So, yeah. Everybody knows I love me some T.J. Watt, but I'm going to need him to not. Um, please leave my good buddy Tyler Huntley alone. Please and thank you. Um, yeah. Or you know what? He can do what he want long as we win because I do want him to win defensive player of the year, but long as we win. Uh, Ricky, I'm watching, is Juju Brent's cornerback for the Indianapolis Colts. 
First time that the Colts played the Texans, it was not exactly pretty for their passing defense. Juju did not play that game. These past few games as he's been back from that quad injury looks pretty good. Had three pass deflections this past week against the Las Vegas Raiders. He's going to need a big performance because you know C.J. Stroud is going to be out there throwing lasers all game if the cornerbacks are not able to stop him. I'm going with the most obvious answer. I got to go C.J. Stroud. Like, this your chance to come in and potentially lead your team to the playoffs in your rookie season. I got all eyes are going to be on you. Yeah, I can't wait for tomorrow's game. It's going to be awesome. Um, Last but not least, the team that we're calling out. I know there's a lot of teams not playing for nothing, but still, it's it's worth calling people out. Team I'm calling out. I'm going to call out the Titans simply because, like, bro, don't let, Ver- don't let Raves go. Like, it's been rumblings that he might be gone. I'm going to be real with you. If we lose Ray and D. Henry in the same offseason, I'm definitely not going to be a Titans fan. I'm up. Pops to you for lasting this long. I'm surprised you made it through the season, honestly. I mean, I, I just been quietly been rooting for the Steelers and they ain't really been saying too much about it. I don't the know. Quiet. I don't know about quiet. But quiet outside of you and Aiden, I've been quiet. Yeah, it's okay. Hey, we know you a Steelers fan for real. It's okay. You you were a Steelers fan in Titans clothing, and that's okay. Um, I'm calling out Baltimore. I just want to keep winning. You know, we won every game in December. Let's make it what seven, eight straight? No, seven wins in a row. Let's handle our business. Um, and also just because I'm still mad about the Steelers game earlier in the season where we lost because we made dumb decisions. I want my lick back. I want to send them home sad. So let's handle our business. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, uh, starting with our Mamba Players of the Week. Out of the Eastern Conference, I'm going Tyrese Halliburton. I got to go Giannis. That's a good one, too. Uh, my Western Mamba, I'm going Russell Westbrook. His numbers may not be, like, have been crazy splashy, but he did move up to 25 on the all-time NBA scoring list and now is the only players aside from LeBron and Oscar Robinson uh, in NBA history who are top 25 in points and top 10 in assists. So, got to show love to Brody. I'm going Shea Gil, just Alexander. Yeah, Shay. Shay was balling. Definitely, yeah. Um, and then uh, number my uh, rookie Mamba is Wimby because Wimby's been balling. Went toe to toe with Giannis and he lost, but he looked damn good in the process. Nah, yeah, I, I'm going Wimby as well. I watched most of that game, and I uh, unfortunately the one part of the game I didn't watch was the most exciting part. But he went crazy. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our top three takeaways of the week. You can start us off. Top three takeaways. Um, number three, we've, I think we've talked about this several times before, but I think this is officially the last dance for the Golden State Warriors. We have all the Draymond issues, and then just earlier today, it's reported that Jonathan Kaminga, a young upstart for for the Warriors, said that he, he doesn't have faith in Steve Kerr. And he is one of those pieces that when you bring in the new iteration of the Warriors that could have potentially made could make a run to a playoffs, he's a piece that you want to like focus in on, obviously outside of Stephen Clay. And with that statement alone, I think, yeah, this is the last dance. 
That's real. Uh, For me, my number three is, while it may not matter long-term, like we might not be talking about this come playoff time, but the Pacers beating the Bucks four times in the same season is going to add fuel to the fire of this potentially being a robbery. I mean, there's already been some pretty intense moments between the two from uh, Tyrese Halliburton doing Dame time to, um, what's the name, Giannis fighting for that 64-point ball, like, I think that the more these two teams play, the more they see each other over the future, it could lead to being some really, really good games and hopefully be the NBA's newest rivalry because right now there really aren't any. None at all. Uh, number two, which probably should be number one, but I guess I just thought about it, is the Lake. I don't know who they should hire, but the Lakers should get rid of Dogger Ham. Um, because... That man is sending out some of the worst lineup combinations I've ever seen. And I'm, a part of me is happy because I don't like the Lakers. No offense. Hey, hey, look, I get it. I totally understand. I don't want them to have any forms of success, even though I am a Bron fan. But, like, the things that he's doing from a lineup perspective is, like, really, really bad. And I think they need to get rid of him. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I'm a Lakers fan, but not a LeBron fan. So I think that's why I don't really care when people talk bad about the Lakers. Cause yeah. Um, two for me is it may not happen soon, but Shay has a shot to be like the, one of the next big things in the NBA. Like, like we talk about potential face of the NBA type guys. I think that if Shay continues on this trajectory and, I hate to do this to you, OKC, but potentially gets in a bigger market where more people can just see how good of a player he is and starts, like, ever if he was to win a championship with one of, like, the big market teams, Shea really has a shot to be the new face of the league. My number one also (laughs) resides in Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City has the potential to be the next big dynasty in the NBA. When you look at it, like you said, like Matthew Shea leaving and going to a bigger market, I don't think that he will. But you look at the fact that they have Shea, they have, even though I don't like the things that he done off the court, Josh Giddy and Jalen Williams and Chet Holmgren, and they still have like 37 like first-round draft picks. Like, they have the potential to be a fixture in the top of the Western Conference for years to come. Um, so, yeah, I think that, like, and it's finally starting to show at least this season. Yeah, it's it's looking good for OKC. Um, and then number one for me, I feel like the OG trade is going to set off an avalanche of moves. Trade deadline coming up next month. Teams got to start moving, and I mean – I think that we were always kind of waiting to see when that ball was going to drop just because OG has been a guy who's like, his name's been in trade conversations for over the past year now. And so I feel like now since that first big ball is dropped, I think more and more moves are going to start coming. It's just a matter of who's going to be the next domino to fall. Um, But let's go ahead and talk about some roster moves and career moves. First, we got a couple of retirements, starting off with Goran Dragic. Um, After 15 years in the NBA and 20 professional seasons, he is calling it uh, quits. So props to him. Uh, He's a one-time All-Star, was a uh, one-time Most Improved Player winner, played 946 games, had some great years with the Heat, Suns, Rockets, Raptors, Nets, Bulls, and Bucks. So props to Goran. Um, And another big retirement, Ricky Rubio, at the 12 NBA seasons, has announced his retirement was bought out 
by the Cleveland Cavaliers earlier this year. Want to prioritize his mental health, get back with his family in Spain, and can't nobody knock him for it. So congratulations to both of those guys. I know that, you know, like when you think back on like the greatest players of all time, they're not going to be brought up, but they definitely have had some fun moments in the league. So props to them. Um, other big moves around the league. The New York Knicks have been busy. First um, signing guard, Miles McBride, to a three-year, $13 million extension. And as we mentioned earlier, trading for guard um, OG and Anobi. Um, they've got him, uh, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn in exchange for R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a 2024 second-round pick via Detroit. I know we talked about this a little bit, but like, what were your thoughts on this trade when you heard that it went down and what it cost to get OG? I was furious. I mean, I wanted OG in Memphis because he was the perfect, especially like, I. Granted, I know we have Marcus Smart, and at the time, I didn't know that we were going to get Marcus Smart. But like, all offseason, I thought the Grizzlies should have put their chips into the OG bag. <laughs> to the OG um, wagon because he's 6'7", 230-plus pounds. He can, he's one of the better perimeter defenders. He doesn't really take a lot of shots, and he can shoot the three ball. Like, that was the perfect complimentary piece for what the Grizzlies have. Um, but when I heard about it, I was, like I said, I was, I was upset because I wanted the Grizzlies to get him. And it's like, RJ is good. I think, honestly, I think Emmanuel quickly is the best piece out of that trade because mm-hmm. I think he could be a guy that I'm not going to say he could be your best player, but he could be like a sec, a really good second slash third option on the team. I agree. I think it really helps stabilize their point guard position too because Dennis Strader's been fine, but Dennis Strader really not turning no heads, whereas Emmanuel quickly, I mean, he was in contention for a sixth man of the year. Like, he's had some really, really big moments. So, I like that move in that aspect. But, yeah, like, the fact that it was that, that's all it took is kind of crazy, especially because you look back at, like, Michael Bridges and what he's been able to do for Brooklyn. Because I know that was somebody else who you talked about really wanting in Memphis. And then OG, like, it being that cheap is is crazy. Um, So, let's look at it from the team perspective. Starting off with the Knicks. How much better do you think they are following this trade? Because as of right now, like the projected lineup is Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, OG, Julius Randle, Isaiah Hardenstein. Do you think that this helps move the needle in terms of their championship aspirations, or is there still work to be done? It's definitely still work to be done. Yeah. Uh, like, OG is a good complimentary piece, but, like, I think – they need to figure out what, and I know a part, a big part of it is because Mitchell Robinson is hurt, but <clears throat> figuring out what they're going to do with center, I know that they've routinely shot Julius Randle's name. Like, are you going to stick with Julius Randle or include him in a package to maybe get a quote-unquote better player, either at his position or at a different position? Like, I think, honestly the move kind of keeps them more afloat. It doesn't really move the needle higher or lower, in my opinion. I would agree with that because, like you said, OG is a nice complimentary piece, but, like, I'm sure no team in the NBA was thinking about trading for OG and him being a centerpiece guy. 
Like he just, he has the skill set to do a little bit of everything, which is good, but like he's not a master at necessarily anything. But uh, like I said, as a complimentary guy, you're not really tripping too hard about some of his deficiencies or kind of some of that flash that you kind of want out of the Facio franchise. And so that's kind of what it is. Like clearly Jalen Brunson is still the best player. OG definitely has a conversation to be the second best player. But like you said, like it's been a lot of talk about Julius Randle potentially being on the move too. And so it's like, I'll say this, it, I would not be shocked if the if the Knicks weren't done because depending on how much or how close they feel like they are to getting over that hump and competing, I can see them being really aggressive before the trade deadline. But all right, let's look at it from Toronto's standpoint. Um, following the move of OG Ananobi, it just feels like a matter of time before Pascal Siakam, who's in a contract year, is moved too. So what do you think is next for him? I think... There's been a couple teams that's been listed. I think the best team, like I'm thinking about it from the context of like what might be the best thing for him to go to. In my opinion, I think the best thing for him to go to will be Indiana. Uh, granted, it doesn't, he doesn't help any of their defensive deficiencies, but if they're a team that wants to play fast and score a bunch of points, it doesn't hurt to bring in another guy that can handle the ball. He can get a rebound and just take it himself. And I think he could pair well with Tyrese Halliburton. And he's a guy that can score 20. Um, because, honestly, outside of Tyrese and Miles Turner, they don't really have, like, guys that can put up 20-plus points a game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Pascal could be a good move, and especially if you're Indiana. You can do it on a trial basis. If it doesn't work out, if you realize you get him and it's not a good fit, he's a free agent. You can move on, wash your hands of it, and just go. And if not, and he winds up being a good fit, then you have a guy who can help be a centerpiece of your team for the future and, like you said, be a really good complimentary piece to what you already have in Tyrese Halliburton and can play a little bit of defense, which they desperately need. So, yeah, I think that Indiana will probably be the best move uh, for him as well. By right, injury news, luckily not too much to report. Unfortunately, Warriors guard um, Gary Payton Jr. is out for, I mean, Gary Payton II, I'm sorry, is out for the next few weeks after uh, dealing with a left hamstring strain last season. He missed a significant amount of time as well, so hopefully he can get a speedy recovery. But right, let's play a game of believable or buffoonery because there are many things to discuss. So starting off with Chet, who's a guy who's played really, really well. I, I'm still, because I feel like a hypocrite, I have a hard time saying he's a rookie of the year favorite because, in my opinion, technically he's not a rookie, but that's neither here nor there. But he's been getting a lot of praise for his good play, and rightfully so. However, Shaq, a.k.a. NBA legend, a.k.a. somebody who's getting their jersey retired next month by the Orlando Magic, has some things to say about some of the compliments that Chet has been getting. Uh, recently, in terms of Chet being called phenomenal, he said, y'all just can't keep giving these people things who ain't put in no work. So, believable or buffoonery, pet, people are giving Chet too much credit too fast. Uh, I gotta say before, uh, yes, Chet hasn't put in a lot of work, but the work that he's put in so far has been pretty phenomenal. Like, to be a rookie and to have multiple games where you, where you get like seven plus blocks 
and you're able to score, I think, like 17 points, get around eight or nine rebounds, and can kind of be in the defensive player of the year conversation as a as a quote-unquote rookie, whether it's second year or not, I think that he is kind of phenomenal. Yeah, I don't really have an issue with that. Like, I can understand the standpoint of, like, trying to – if they if people are trying to make a case for, like, him being a top ten player in the NBA right now, or, like – ESPN does this all the time. When they put out the top 100 players and they'll put rookies higher than, like, some vets, that is an issue. And I understand frustration with that. But, like, complimenting somebody on what they're doing and not doing so, like, in the, you know, wider context, like, historical context, I don't really have an issue with it. If somebody's balling, they're balling. I don't think there's nothing wrong with saying that. So, I agree. I think it's buffoonery as well. Um, moving on to the Golden State Warriors, you kind of talked about some of the issues that they're having with their younger guys. I also just saw a report that Moses Moody um, is a bit frustrated with his role and lack of consistency with it. Um, you already mentioned what was going on with Jonathan Kaminga. And so while they're dealing with that, the reinforcements might be on the way, question mark. Um, it's been reported earlier this week that Draymond Green is expected to return to the team soon. Um, he's going to be able to come to the Warriors practice facility soon and beginning to prepare to play. So, believable or buffoonery, Draymond will be back on the court before the end of this month. I think it's believable. I mean, we're just, what, January 5th? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, do you think he should be, be, be back this soon? Uh, it's hard because to me, it's like, I don't know, I don't really know the, the, the actual mandate that the NBA wants him to, like, be reached to, in order to come back. Me, personally... I don't have an issue with it because I play pickup basketball all the time. I've seen people get into arguments. I've seen people almost get into fights. I've seen a couple punches thrown before. I've also almost thrown a couple punches. So it's like I understand, like, you're in the NBA. You have to have this image. But I'm going to say, yeah, I don't have an issue with him coming back. I don't have an issue with him coming back either. Um, because I've had many conversations about this and this, maybe this is just an indictment on Draymond Green or like just how desensitized I am like to his buffoonery, but like of the things he's done this year or just throughout his career, this isn't that bad to me. Like he's done. If, if honestly, if we would have just switched it, like if this would have happened first and then the choking thing with Rudy Gobert, then I'll be like, yeah, he probably shouldn't be coming back this soon. But this. He's done worse, though. And, again, like, I think this is something that people, like, don't speak on because these are professional athletes. Like, in the context, like I said, for me playing playing pickup basketball and still playing pickup basketball, like, basketball games get heated. Yeah. And, like, all it takes is one thing that happened and one person can get set off. Yes, it just so happened to be the one guy that seems to always get set off. But you go to basketball courts anywhere in America and it's always that one it's always that one dude. Like I got a homie that I play with that 
he's always the one that's gonna start the arguments and start the the escalation and stuff. And he some he sometimes does it to gain the advantage of winning, just like you know Draymond does it. So I don't really have like I don't I don't have a big issue with it. like maybe it's because I also grew up in a generation where like people putting hands on people and like I'm. I'm like now 30 and it's 2023, 2024, where people are kind of more sensitive to those things. But like, I'm just like, hey, it's a part of sports. Yeah. Like, I'll say this. Like I said, of all the things Draymond has done, this feels like very tame. Now, him choking out Rudy is a step too far. Him stopping DeMontis Sabonis is a step too far. That's like, for me, that's beyond like the competitive getting in each other's head. That's like you going overboard. I think I agree with you on the Stavonis aspect. The only reason, now granted, I don't think he should have choked Rudy out. The only reason I give him some like leeway in what he did with Rudy is, Rudy don't grab my teammate. Yes. Now, him getting involved in it, I don't have as much an issue. But, like, the fact that your first thought is to put this man in the chokehold, that's the that's what's wild. But, yeah, I mean, him coming back, I don't I don't have an issue with it. I'm I'm more interested to see what else he does this year or like or is he just going to calm down? Because a, a leopard isn't going to change their spots. He's not all of a sudden just going to be, like, real calm and quiet on the court. He's going to be antagonizing. He's going to get in people's faces. He's going to piss people off. And he's going to get pissed off. I just wonder what what's going to be next. I'm going to be real with you. I'm not even looking for that. What I'm looking for is who's going to finally be the person that punches him back. That, too. That I can't I, wait for that. Because I do agree I think it was King. I was listening to Gills Arena, and it was King and Martin, and he was saying a lot of the reason, a lot of the reason why he's doing the things that he's doing. And matter of fact, it wasn't even just King and Martin. It was a lot of old heads. It's because ain't nobody ever punched him back. Yeah, like that dude, and they just sit there. Like if I was like being completely honest, if I was naked and he would have did that to me, I would have got up and smacked the piss out of him. Yeah, get your leg back. I don't, and I understand, like, bro, like, you're, and everybody's saying he needs help. Yeah, he probably does need help. But I'm a, I'm also from the belief of, like, sometimes you need to get punched in the mouth. Yes. And you're not just going to swing on me regardless if you want to, if it was intended or not, you're not going to do that, and I'm not going to, and I'm just not going to do nothing back. Like, I'll happily take a suspension to, to throw hands back at you. Yeah. And then we've talked about this a lot because I've also heard a lot of people try to say he needs help, he needs this, he needs that. Like, sometimes the bully just needs to get bullied back. If yeah. somebody treated Draymond the way Draymond treats other people, this wouldn't happen. Because th- this is the thing. Draymond also has the history of when it comes down to people that is known not to mess with, he bags down. Yeah. It's uh, him going and run our test. And once he realized it was run our test, Shut he all bad. that down. When he, once he realized he was going, once he realized Zebo was about to get on that on that action with him, he calmed down. Like so, it's it's he knows who he's doing this stuff too. You saw with the whole Anthony Edwards stuff when Anthony Edwards was like, "Bro, ain't nobody worried about you." He chilled out. Yeah. 
Because Anthony Edwards would get back with him. Anthony Edwards would give him that leak back. Even though he's small or whatever, he you just that's the thing. It just somebody needs to give Draymond a taste of his own medicine. That's what's gonna cut all this out. Because one it just take it really just takes one person. Cause one person he thinks he can pump and they hit him back or they go off on him back, he gonna be like, Well, dang, I don't know if I wanna do this to get into somebody else, because what if they do the same thing? And then if you see one guy you don't expect to go back at him, and then other people are like, hey, okay, that's all you got to do? I'm telling you. Not to say, I'm sure he might, like you said, like he might need some help, you know, who knows. But I think people are making it out to be way more than it is. Somebody just need to punch him back. Bully the bully. Um, Last thing, though, uh, before we make our picks for tonight, you mentioned Darvin Ham earlier. And it's been reports uh, that there have been some frustrations within the Lakers' locker rooms because of his interesting lineup choices. Uh, Shams reported earlier in the week there's a, currently a growing discontent between Darvin Ham and the Lakers' locker room stemming from disjointedness around rotation and, a li- and lineups. Uh, so it does beg the question, is it believable or buffoonery that this will be Darvin Ham's last season as the, as the Lakers' head coach? This is probably the most believable thing you asked me this whole podcast. Yeah, it's it's bad. Like, it, it's it's bad. It's so bad. And it's like, Darvin, like, I not to say being an NBA coach is easy. It's it's never easy. But you would think considering the pieces that the Lakers have, it would kind of be pretty obvious who you're putting out there. And I understand they're losing. I think they won, lost, what, eight of the last ten, something like that. I understand it's been rough and you want to get a little bit creative, but that creativity is costing you. If anything, it's making you look worse than you did initially. And so it's like, come on. And also, you know, Lakers are not patient when it comes to coaches. He will be gone. Frank Vogel got high, fired, and he did more than Darvin Ham has. And not even just the Lakers, LeBron. Yeah. Like, LeBron is my second, no, Second, yeah, second slash first favorite player in the NBA all time, and like LeBron, you know LeBron will get a coach out of there. One hundred percent, he get players out of there. I, it's so funny to me when GMs or even LeBron be like, "I'm not a GM. I don't make no decisions." Yes, you do, because when you're a superstar of that magnitude, you have a say in who you want on your team and who you want to be around. If you say, "Hey, I want AD," what are the Lakers gonna do? They're gonna get yeah. AD. Like, bro, you're you're honestly, I know. Like, he's still the face of the league, but, like, bro, you're literally the biggest star in the NBA. Yeah. Like, no other player has a bigger star than you, regardless of what, like, KD isn't bigger than you. The only person that comes close is maybe Steph, but he's still not eclipsing you. Right. You're going to get what you want, regardless. And if you want a new head coach, you're going to be gone, which is also kind of like the disadvantage of coaching a LeBron James team. Because when stuff gets sour, no one's really going to blame LeBron. You're going to be the scapegoat. But in this case, Darvin Ham is, like, asking for it because it's been rough. But, all right, let's go ahead and make our game picks and get up out of here. Starting off with the um, uh, Memphis Grizzlies taking on – am I looking at the wrong day? Yeah, Memphis Grizzlies taking on my Los Angeles Lakers. I'm going Grizzlies just because – I'm sorry, I'm still mad about the banner. And I'd rather see the Grizzlies win this game because they need it more. I agree with everything that you said. But because the Grizzlies have 
pissed off the Lakers, and they always remember yeah. the game that they played the like the Grizzlies. They, for whatever reason, get their act right. And AD go for like 40 and 20, so I got to go with the Lakers. That's fair. Uh, Utah Jazz versus the Boston Celtics. I got Celtics. Celtics. Atlanta Hawks versus the Indiana Pacers. I'm going Pacers. Pacers. Washington Wizards versus Cleveland Cavaliers. I got Cavs. Cavs. New York Knicks versus the Philadelphia 76ers. I got Sixers. Sixers. Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Brooklyn Nets. I'm going Thunder. Thunder. Men. Minnesota Timberwolves versus the Houston Rockets. I'm going Minnesota. Timberwolves. Charlotte Hornets versus the Chicago Bulls. I'm going to go with Bulls. Bulls. Los Angeles Clippers versus the New Orleans Pelicans. This could be interesting, but I'm still going Clippers. Clippers. Portland Trailblazers versus the Dallas Mavericks. I'm going Mavs. Orlando Magic versus the Denver Nuggets. I'm going Nuggets, and it's not going to take a Nicole Jokic game winner to do it. Nuggets. Uh, Miami Heat versus the Phoenix Suns. I'm going Suns, even if Jimmy does play. Uh, Suns. Uh, Toronto Raptors versus the Sacramento Kings. I'm going Kings. Kings. Last but not least, new Detroit Pistons versus the Golden State Warriors. I got Warriors. Warriors. All right, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please sure check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, before we get up out of here, anything you'd like to say? Uh, go Tigers, go Grizz. Also, Kyle Kuzma, shut up like your team not a couple games better than Detroit. It's so funny how like play it's it's usually always the players on bad teams who talk the most stuff. And it's like, yo, you don't even have anything really to say. Like you have no leg to stand upon. Like, yes, their win their losses were all consecutive. But like, bro, you at the time when you said this statement, you literally only had three more wins than them. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, no, it's it's um it's not pretty they still only have three more wins than them. For those keeping track, Wizards are six and twenty-seven, and the Pistons are three and thirty-one. Yeah, that's so, wild. Very competitive. Uh, for me, Baltimore, you know, handle business. Lakers, I know I picked y'all to lose tonight. For tonight, I'm going go Grizz, but every other day, you know, Lakers handle your business. Um, I'm excited for the national championship game. That should be fun. And yeah, playoffs right around the corner. It's always a crazy time. But it definitely makes things interesting. And yeah, um, last thing, wrestling fans, uh, last week we put out WWE awards, end of the year's awards. Please be on the lookout for that. Royal Rumble prediction is going to be right around the corner too because Royal Rumble's in, what, three weeks, something like that. So be on the lookout. Got plenty of wrestling content coming out for you. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you all next time.